Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike with BeastNet here. And on this week's episode, I have with me Brandy Conlin. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. So, for listeners that don't know you, tell us a little bit about Brandy. Kind of, you know, give us an idea of, of who Brandy is and, you know, what you're about. <laughs> well, Brandy <laughs> is the Canadian that decided to join the Beast team um, and mm-hmm. likes to, you know, round out the pack at the very back of things. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, which there's nothing wrong with. I've been that guy many a times, too. So I know last year in Montana, you started off with us and then kind of. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure there's no stragglers. I, you know, I'm there to make sure nobody gets left behind. <laughs> and which is good. I mean, I've, you know, people have listened to the podcast, heard my story of, you know, <clears throat> 2016 of picking up stragglers and taking 13 hours to finish the race. But, you know. But we did Getting it. Getting there. Yep. So, <laughs> so I know you're you're a lot like that where with me where you're not the fastest racer, but you you don't know when to stop. Exactly. <laughs> you just kinda keep yeah, there's, there, yeah, there's no quit button. I might swear a lot, but there's no quit. Yeah. <laughs> so what made you decide to start doing this? Oh goodness. Okay. A little bit of a long story, so beware. Um, So back in back in 2015, I was really really sick, and the doctors didn't know why. I had gone in because I was trying to lose weight, and no matter what I did, I was gaining weight. And at the same time, I was having such extreme pain that I couldn't walk five feet without being hobbled over and holding the furniture for balance. I was about to be um, put on disability from work. I was exhausted all of the time, like bone-deep exhaustion. And so the doctors started running a lot of tests. And my doctor was quite Mm -hmm. concerned and convinced that I had a brain tumor. Fortunately, I did not. (laughs) But the end result was after all of the specialists and after all of the tests, it turned out that I had adrenal fatigue that had gotten so bad from chronic stress that I had triggered systemic inflammation in my body. So that was the pain, Um, the high cortisol, which I still deal with caused all the weight gain. And I made the decision that I either needed to heal my body and do what I could to regain mobility and regain my life, or I can hide in the dark and be on disability and do nothing but hurt. So that was in late 2015, around December. So for my New Year's Mm -hmm. resolution for 2016, I decided, okay, I'm going to exercise. And I started with a non-impact one because I couldn't move. And started to regain some mobility and some strength. And I saw an ad for a local muck run. And I decided, I hate mud. I hate outside. I hate bugs. I hate getting dirty. So let's do it. (laughs) Challenge myself. Get out of the box. Exactly. And so I, you know, I trained more. And May 2016, I went to my first muck run. And I got to the first obstacle. And I fell on my butt. And I broke my tailbone. And it was it was a slip and slide. Slip and slides are not for grown ups. <laughs> no, they're and not. The photographer no photographer got a picture of me falling on my butt and breaking it. And I was mortified. And I thought, Oh my gosh, people just saw me fall. How embarrassing. And my ego was bruised, so I was like, Well, I'm not gonna quit now. They can't know that this hurts. So yeah. I redid the obstacle and I finished the whole race, the five K. And I thought I was just bruised. I didn't know it was broken. And the race ended, and the adrenaline wore off, and the pain set in. And I went to the hospital, figure out, yeah, you broke your tailbone. And then I realized I am a flipping badass, (laughs) that I had just run this race with a broken bone. And I realized I was so much stronger mentally and physically than I thought I was, and I was hooked. And so then I just started signing yeah. up for all of the races and all of the events. And the more people said, oh, you're not ready, you're, you're too weak, you're too much pain, you're too old, you're too fat, I signed up anyways. Because how dare they decide for me? <laughs> and the rest of the exactly. history, I've done a lot now. 
And, and I think that's one of the things I love about the OCRs is it gets that point where you realize, I've heard from so many different people, that you realize what, how strong you really are. Like mm-hmm. people that think they're weak, people that think they can't do things, all of a sudden something happened. And like that, you were like, I hurt myself, but I can't let these people see that, and I'm going to be embarrassed if I do that. So you keep going, and then you realize, well, I'm stronger than I that thought was, I was. I was able to keep exactly. going. With it. I broke my butt, and I still did this. <laughs> so Exactly. I mean, when I tell people I busted my ass on the first race, I don't mean it just metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. It happens. Exactly. So, so what was your first? I mean, you keep calling it a muck run, but... Is that a Canadian yeah, thing? A, it <laughs> is. It, it was just, you know, a local fun run. So they didn't call it an OCR. Yeah. They called it the muck run, but it was. Like it was, um, you know, pretty, you know, it had to slip and slide in, in and out of dumpsters and under the cars and we swam across the river. And yeah, it was an obstacle course race, but they didn't call it that. Yeah. See, and you're right. Those slip and slides are, they're bad. I mean, I know. Yeah. When I had the broken foot. How we foot, manage them as kids? <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. When I had the broken foot, uh, my wife Amber did a race with my, my son and daughter without me and it ended yep. up rolling her ankle and ending up on crutches as well as me at the same time doing a, doing oh, a slide on, uh, yeah, on a run. And it was oh, like, gosh. oh, great. So we're both. It was, it was opposite feet, though. I had my left foot and she had right, so. Oh, well, there you go. So you're matching here. Yep. So, I mean, they, they are, they're, they're trouble. So, yeah, so, I know you've done, you've done a bunch of races that we don't get down here. Um, yes, I sure I, have. I've been talking to a lot more people about going to some races and traveling. We all travel for Spartan, but maybe yep. traveling for some of these others. And I've seen some of these ones that you've done. Um, what was the one I just saw recently? The X Warrior. X Warrior. Oh my goodness! You guys have to come up X for X Warrior, Warrior series. Yes, because that it's a different kind of series. I wanted to know about it has, that one. Yeah, so it's got the OCR show, um, one. So we've got ones that are you know a 5K, or you can choose to do Titan, which is multiple laps, and you have to do at least three laps to be a Titan. Um, we have trail races with it. Or the one that we just did was Black Ops, 12 hours overnight, as many laps as you could do in those 12 hours. And it's not an easy course. Um, Within each of those, you can also do the heavy bag carry. So you can choose for fun, and I've done this one, take the 40-pound heavy Mm -hmm. bag for a walk through the entire course. And certain obstacles have a drop-off station. You drop your bag so you you can't carry your bag on the monkey bars, for example. But you take that bag with you through all of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. It's pretty hard to do the swinging. But, um, yeah, like it's – so I, I have done that one. I didn't do it this last year's Black Ops. I did it the previous year at Black Ops. I took my bag for a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up, we've got another choice between the Sprint level or the Titan level. We have our X Ultra coming up in September. So I just signed up for that in a team of four. That's a 50 kilometer race. So we're, there was no way I was ready for a solo. So I threw together a team real quick and we're set to go now. In October, we have Hurt Locker, which is another six hour team based endurance event. And it's, the X Ultra and this Hurt Locker, this is the first year for these two. So I have no clue what to expect. But they sounded fun, and I get an axe. So I'm signing up. <laughs> so now I can't so do that do... an axe. But... Yeah, so instead, like with Spartan, we get our trifecta medals. With yeah. X Warrior, there's two different axes you can earn. So when you do a particular series, um, there's an axe. So there's the basic battle axe which is an engraved axe, and you get that if you do two of the challenges, which is our standard sprint Titan race, one endurance event, and then either two live races or virtual races. If you do all of those things, those five races, you get your battle axe. If you want your endurance axe, and this year is the first year for the endurance axe, you have to do the three endurance events. So that was Black Ops, the X Ultra, and Hurt Locker. So I'm going to be getting that one as well. Hmm. But yeah, people need to come up for these ones. I say X-Warrior is specifically just Canada, right? 
Yes. So Darcy is the creator of it. No, Darcy is the creator of it, and he lives in Calgary, and he created it um, to fill a need here in Alberta, because in Western Canada, there really isn't much for OCR races. There's a few uh, small-scale ones and things like Foam Fest uh, and Rugged Baniac. Otherwise, um, we get a couple Spartan races in the season, and that's it. So he was he yeah. created these to fill a need that we didn't have here. See, that's awesome. See, now mm-hmm. how far from like Seattle? How far is Calgary from Seattle? Um, I would say it's about eleven hours because Edmonton. When I when I drove Ooh. to Seattle last year, it took us fourteen hours to drive, and it takes like Ooh. three hours to fly. So <laughs> that's a long drive. It is a long so drive. So I we came down. Oh, sorry, what? I said the only place I've been in Canada, I've been to Victoria, Vancouver, and Kamloops, and that's about it. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, you, that's all in BC, so you got to head on into Alberta. Yeah. So when I when we drove yeah, down last Columbia. year, yeah, when we drove down last year to do the Sprint Super and that hurricane heat last year, we drove, and that was a ridiculous yeah. drive. So this year, when I came down for the Sprint Super, I flew. <laughs> And then it's only a couple hours. Then I'll be Spartan. doing hopefully the same for the Beast in September. So Nice. <laughs> so but those sound amazing. I'm going to have to look into those X-Warriors and try and get up there for one of those. Mm-hmm. So maybe even try and get Darcy on one of the episodes and talk about the X-Warriors. Oh, I think he would love that, so yeah, because to... the promotion would be good. I've been trying to get more promotion and get some of the, the the smaller races and talk to other ones. Um, we talk about Spartan a lot and talk to Spartan a lot just because, I mean, that's where most of us got our start. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying to talk to some of the others and stuff like that. So, But, yeah, X-Warrior sounds like a good one. I, I know I've seen you and, and Ted both. I think was yes. it Ted that went up for X-Warrior? Yes. He did, yeah. yeah and so. he's going to be back um, in August because he also wants his battle axe. So he'll be coming in August to finish it off. I'm going to have to look at that one for, for next year. I'm, I'm planning my next year. I'm trying to look at next year and plan it around traveling more for those kind of races. Like, you know, yeah. try an X It'll warrior. be a good one. You know, I was, I talked to uh, recently Kyle, who has been down in uh, Florida, and he's done like the Savage Race and Bone Frog and, you know, a bunch oh, of those, okay. you know, Green Beret Yeah, Challenge. we don't get so those up he's here. Able, yeah. <laughs> You guys don't get those, and we don't get them over here. I mean, I, it's really surprising on what we don't get in the Pacific Northwest, and it's really weird to look at. Like, I've seen other races try and come to the Pacific Northwest, and they don't get the the, the participation that you think they would. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes um, Gladiator they have to... tried it last year and didn't make it. Yeah. I think sometimes they have so. to just take that leap of faith and do it anyways, because I think once people start hearing the reviews – of it being there the yeah. following years when they start signing up. Cause it does take time to build up a new, a new fellowship of people coming, willing to spend their money and put faith that a race yep. is good. Exactly. And I agree. And I, I think that's one of the things, I mean, I, I've seen a couple races recently, you know, that have been doing the uh, free races for like almost mm-hmm. this entire year. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully trying to, I think, build a base so they can do better next year. But it's exactly. it's kind of one of those. It's I'd love to see more up here in the Northwest. We have so many different, you know, different places. I'd love to see them over in Eastern Washington, stuff like that. But we just don't get it. It's kind of like you guys up there in Calgary. It's we're we're kind of looking at it like if we want a new race, we may have to just make our own. So exactly, and and <laughs> it can like, be done. Know, we have another. Yeah, and we have another. Um, local one called rise up challenge it's it's still much smaller than x warrior like x warrior took off like crazy um but rise up challenge is unique in that they like to use the natural elements as your obstacles more than anything Mm -hmm. so um you're going to see less of things like climbing the monkey bars and instead it's climb the girders of an overpass or like it's it's crazy things so in october this coming up year He's bringing back his overnight 12-hour race, which back in 2016, that was my first endurance-based race, is I did Rise Up Challenge Blackout. So I'm excited for that one, too, because Cody puts on a good race, but it's just still so low-key compared to everyone talks to X-Warrior. But Rise Up Challenge is a good one, too. Yeah. 
So what kind of obstacles do they do differently? Like you're saying they do the, the girders on the, the bridge. What other kind of things would does the Rise Up do that's um, So Rise Up, different? they did things like, well, that one we had memorizing things, which anyone who's done hurricane heats and stuff knows about having to memorize poetry and whatnot. So we did have to do that for this event. Um, And in the one that I went to that was the blackout, it went off kind of like in spokes almost. There was 26 kilometers that we covered that night, I think it was. Um, And Mm -hmm. so at one point we had our legs duct taped together and we army crawled. That sounds fun. Through the forest for, and I don't even know how far it was. It felt forever. Um, At another point, when we got duct tape, we then had to bunny hop across the bridge and then down the stairs. And that's how we got to the forest to army crawl. So, you know, it wasn't your standard flip the tire and go. It took a lot of effort and work to, you know, you earned that kilometer. (laughs) Um, The lower, like the, the smaller ones he has, like the five K's sometimes scaffolding is set up. And so you're, you're traversing that in different ways than perhaps you would traverse monkey bars or a rig. Um, And then it's things like we once had cement blocks. And so we had to get from one end of a football field to the other with these blocks. So it was step on one, balance, bend down, pick up the next, move it ahead, step on it. You couldn't touch the grass. That is a long distance to do that. (laughs) That is. Um, So each step that we've done with Rise Up certainly is earned, even though it's a, a smaller key thing. So I think Cody will, he'll build up his base. He's getting a pretty good base going. It just didn't blow up the way X Warrior did. Yeah. And sometimes it's all just a matter about timing, you know? Exactly. You know, X Warrior may have just, you know, had the right race on the right day in the right place. You know, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that sounds, that sounds cool. The whole, because you always hear people talk about distance and it's like distance is different. You know, I've done two different marathons, and I would have to say the second one was completely different because it was a downhill race. Right. Where the first one was more of a flat and up and, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. So it's just distance is, is different. I mean, it's really different. So if you're talking about, like, you know, taking a cinder block, setting it down, standing on it while you move the other one so you can step on it, that's 200, you know, 200 yards that that's that's a long day exactly so, and that's just one obstacle out of whatever it was 26 yeah. or 27 or whatever like yeah and it's nice having the variety and and, and with x warrior they're good with that too no two races are the same so what we did for black ops this last year was not the black ops mm-hmm. we did this year it was a different course different obstacles because that's the one thing we hear a lot with spartans is it's all the same when we show up at seattle we know what we're facing the elements will change it the weather will change it but the obstacles are the same the distance is the same the layout is pretty close to the same and it's the same when we show up at red deer or when we show up at calgary or yeah Yeah. the basics are there and that's a common thing i hear is you know it's like you're doing the same race year after year and the nice thing about these local ones and i think that's why x warrior blew up so fast as well is it changes every single time See, and that's what's really cool is I like that having a feeling like every year you did a different race, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, I mean, I'll be honest. It's one of the reasons I'm looking at, you know, next year maybe being a little bit different is it's like I've yeah. done these races, the same races for five years now in the same locations. And even when you switch locations, they're a little bit different, but it's still the same. Exactly. The same obstacles and just in ones- a different spot, so. Yeah, and these ones, people went into this year with a game plan of how they were going to conquer the race. And because it changed so much, their game plan was out the window. So last year, Black Ops was five and a half kilometer loops. And there was some quite hilly areas, but, and we went through a bog, like it was a different layout. This year, our loops were eight kilometers. And they claimed flat with two hills. They lied. <laughs> there was two steep hills. Never there was some that. other rolling. Exactly. Um, and so, and of course, it had poured rain for mm, a week or two leading up to it. So, and it, that night at about middle of the night at some point, I don't know what time it was. I was out there forever. Um, the sky just let loose and just 
this torrential downpour came down. So now the ground and all the obstacles are slippery and wet. And then it stopped raining and we went back on our, like we just kept going. But that adds an element to it. But that eight kilometer distance, because you're trying to hit 25 or 50 or whatever many kilometers. So people had in their head, Mm -hmm. oh, we're going to hit this many. And that did not happen. This was a challenging course. The same with um, the Calgary challenge that we had done in early June last year, it was a stadium race. And so, you know, stadiums, yeah, the stairs suck, but it's a pretty easy course. This year we did it out Canadians Olympic park in Calgary and the hills go on for days. And so people went in with this idea of how many laps they were going to do based on what they did the year before. And then realized Mm -hmm. they were struggling to get even the, even the elite ones were struggling to finish multiple laps. So it's nice to see the the difference. Like, it that's part of the head game is you think you know what you're doing and you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds good. It sounds like good a couple of good races that I may have to look into. Absolutely. So, and what kind of? I know you were talking about you know the the rise up. What about the the X factor? What kind of obstacles? I mean, are they more? Do they have more of the so traditional X-Warrior, obstacles with some of the extra? It's yeah, it's yeah. a mix. So they will have ones, so we'll have a rig and there'll be walls, there'll be monkey bars. So the standard, instead of lifting a sandbag, it's a hundred pound chain. And there's no difference for for boys and girls on weight for that one. It's just how far away they stand from the, from the apparatus that they're on. Um, mm-hmm. When we did it in Calgary, we actually pulled the chain up so it was coming up one of the towers that was there when we did it at black ops, it was a distance away that the boys stood versus the girls. Um, other obstacles that we did there this year was about grip strength. So they had these big, heavy pipes and we had to carry them by our fingertips, one in each hand around the loop called X bomb. It was so challenging because nobody practices their grip strength to that level. So the guys yeah. once had a little bit of a wider grip than the girls did, but it's still, the weight was the same. It was just a matter of the width of the grip. Um, mm-hmm. And the distance around was the same. So that was different than maybe other places where like Spartan changes the weight that the girls do versus the guys on a lot of things. Yeah. Um, instead of, so we do a log carry. It's basically railway ties that are cut down to length. So again, everyone carries the same around the loop. Um, trying to remember gosh I've done so many races this season it's all going to blend together (laughs) but yeah he tries to have stuff yeah like last year so this year we didn't have dragons back dragons back made a feature in x-warrior races last year I think that's been at worlds um where you're jumping from one scaffolding thing to the next and if you miss you're sliding on down so x-warrior did have that at several races last year it did not make an appearance this year um, this year, the warp wall wasn't there, but it has been in the past just because the obstacles change. They had one at, um, at the Calgary challenge this year called Geronimo. So you climbed up the scaffolding and you jumped backwards off into a crash mat. Yeah. So I did not, I got to the top and I, I couldn't do it. I climbed back down, but the pictures from it are amazing. The people who did it are amazing because that takes so much trust to be able to jump backwards off of an elevated thing into a map, like into this big air map. Yeah. So um, he's done ones before fun. where he's done ones last year where you're like Tarzan. You're literally, you're above an air mat and you're swinging from rope to rope across to traverse across the thing rather than a typical rig. And then if you fall, you land in the big crash mats, you're safe. But (laughs) that one didn't make a date. That one didn't show up this year. But yeah, because he always varies it. So that's always good. Like I said, it's good to have the variations, the different things, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why some of us have been looking for something, another challenge, you know, to, mm-hmm. to challenge us in new ways and better ways. And I mean, that's why most of us start this is, you know, we wanted the challenge. So exactly. You know, yeah. So 
what other races are you looking at up there? I mean, you, you've done the, the Rise Up and the yeah. X-Warrior. I've done... What, what other ones? Exactly. Um, I've done your basics, like, I've not this season, but previously. I've done Foam Fest and Rugged Maniac. Um, mm-hmm. Even thrown in a couple of those color runs and the Inflatables 5K. That was an yeah. interesting one. Um, basically, if an event comes up and I can fit it into my schedule, I do it. So... <laughs> You know, whether that's been, I've tried Go Ruck, I've tried um, a couple half marathons, I've tried, last year I did Winter Warrior, which was a winter OCR here. Um, basically, yeah, if I can fit it in, I've tried it, because why not? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, why not? I get that exactly. all the time, people are like, why do you do this? And I'm like, why not? Exactly. Why not? I mean... I'm going to keep, you know, my plan is to keep doing them as long as I can. They say the mind quits before the body does. Mine does not. Mine thinks that, you know, I'm 120 pounds lighter and a star athlete. And my body is like, oh, you're delusional. (laughs) But my plan is to keep going while I can. Because there's so much to, you know, so many ones to try. And I've got big goals for 2020, so... Things have got, you know, got to improve a little bit on a few things. But, um, yeah, like, can't just say no to these things. What if I can do them? No, I mean, yeah, exactly. can't self-eliminate I mean, ahead know. of time. <laughs> you never know if you can or can't until you, you try it. Exactly. Yeah. So. So, so what are your plans in the future? Well, what race did you well, got coming up? I think what you're doing Kimberly shortly. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I've got Kimberly tomorrow. <laughs> so we leave here at uh, 5.30 tomorrow morning to drive to Kimberly. And I race the sprint in the evening. And then Saturday is the beast. And Sunday is the super. So Monday will be the hot springs to soothe the sore muscles. <laughs> um, and then coming up August, I've got that wilderness race with X-Warrior. And the X Ultra in September, Hurt Locker October, and then also hoping to do the Beast in Seattle there in September. So my season is just about wrapping up here. After this weekend, it's just a few left. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's good. Yeah. You got plans for for next year yet? Or are you just going to keep doing like you oh, said? Yeah. If you can put it in your schedule, you're going to do it. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, we do. I've got some bigger plans coming, uh, 2020. We're hoping to head back to Hawaii since we didn't get to race last year. Um, aiming to once again, (laughs) I wish I was going back this soon, but the budget didn't hold that one in order to do all the X warrior ones. Yeah. So yeah, the, the goal is that. And then if I can get my trifecta finished again next year, like I did last year and this year, then hopefully heading to Greece. Nice. So I would really would like to do that if I could fit it into my budget. I know I can get the time off work if I can fit it in my budget. So fingers crossed that I'll be doing that in 2020. Someday I would I would love to go to Greece. I mean I'd like to just go to Europe anyway. I mean I've never yep. never been so. Yeah. Well, it's funny because last race season when I came to Seattle for that Sprint Super, that was the first time in my life I ever left Canada. And oh, so wow. we came down for that, and then we came down for Montana, and then I did Hawaii. And so my eyes were opened to the world of travel and leaving my bubble <laughs> and leaving Canada yeah. for a bit, and now I'm hooked. And now I just want to go everywhere. So I've got my bucket dream races that, you know, won't happen for a long, long time. Like I'm hoping one day to do an agogi. I'm hoping one day to yep. do the Great Wall of China Marathon. Those, you know, might be another no, decade be away. So... But a lot of training that would be to happen amazing. before those ones. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of what it is. It's, you know, I know it's cliche and everyone says it, but a lot of times it's just about, you know, being better than who you were yesterday. And that's, you know, exactly. what all of us are trying and striving to do. So, I mean, exactly. I've had so many people, you know, ask that question, like, who inspires you and makes you want to do things? And I'm like, I do. I mean, like I look at who I am and I'm like, I don't want to be this person anymore. And that's my inspiration to do better. Yeah. So yeah, right on. <laughs> so 
Do you, do you have anything else that you want to want to tell the listeners? Or oh gosh, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> off the off the top of my head, I can't think of anything other than hopefully I'll be seeing everybody in September because <laughs> I missed hopefully. the team. <laughs> I'm hopefully. hoping. I'm trying to make That'll it work. Begin. I've got to get my airfare because I've already paid for the race. So yeah. the goal is to be there. Well, then you got to get here. So exactly one way race, or another. You Exactly. And, you know, I got to say, though, with the Beast team, before I joined it, like, I was always the – people knew me on the course because turns out that when you're the slow, fat one, people recognize you from online. And so, mm-hmm. and so people would be saying hi to me, but I, know, I never yeah. really was with a team or with a group or I was just kind of the yeah. outsider who showed up online. And then when I found the Beast group, totally life-changing. Because that yeah. wasn't the case anymore. It was family. And I felt like I belonged. So, unfortunately, I live so far away and then I hear about all the amazing beast things and ghosts and, you know, all those ones. And I'm like, damn it, it's too far. <laughs> but one day I will be rich and be able to fly maybe. back all the time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, it's 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 fun being having the group this close sometimes. I mean, you, you do get that. Mm-hmm. that. I am lucky in that where I get the group and I get to get to do all that. I mean, you know, most people know my story. You know, I didn't even I joined the group before I even did my OCR. I joined oh, the really? group because I was going to Montana because I was going to Montana <laughs> to do my first. I had done a I did a Gladiator back in like 2010, and then oh, okay. did do another one till 2000 till 2015. So, and I had done like mud factor and you know hell run and some of these like smaller ones and i'm like oh i've right. done these and i've done a half marathon i can do a 13 so mile set. mud run it'll be fine <laughs> it'll be great <laughs> so so off i go and to montana it? and i <laughs> oh it was amazing yeah so off i go to montana and i'd seen one of my friends introduced me to the group online and said hey they're going too you should hook up with them so i talked to him a little bit online but really didn't meet anybody and then ran yep. into drew on the course where i was about halfway through and i'm looking at i'm like this is stupid and i don't want to do it anymore and then i ran into <laughs> drew and then we started talking and yeah cuz awesome. that uh, that first that first Montana one, the the founders race was I mean, Montana's brutal anyway. And but that yeah. one was that one was an interesting one. So that one they, they really <laughs> that threw one I missed out on. Us. Oh, there I was, think I got introduced oh sorry. Oh, I think there was three three log carries. Yeah. And two of those were through bogs. Like oh my. you were in water up to like halfway up my chest carrying a log oh my goodness and i mean yeah so they threw like the book at us on that one because it was a founder's race so like joe decina and norm who's no longer there anymore and pretty much the founders got together and said okay how can we make this complete and utter hell and they did (laughs) and they did and it was so bad that we came back the next year and the year after and the year after and yeah well of course (laughs) So I think I got introduced to the beast group from Matthew, actually, because he had come up to Alberta to race the Red Deer Spartan races, and I had done the hurricane heat with him. And so I think it was him that introduced me to the beast group, because he realized from that one that I was crazy and that I would fit in, I guess. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the one I showed up. I showed up late to my first hurricane heat. Oh, that's not not good. not a good thing. Six hundred burpees later. Yeah, I did my burpees all through the night, <laughs> but at least they let me stay because they didn't have yeah. to. So the following year, when I showed up, people were because nobody else got punished for me being late. Thank goodness. But all my oh, teammates good. the next year were sending me messages going, "If you're late, you will die. Be there." So I sent a picture to them about an hour early. I was already at the meeting point, going, "I'm not late. I'm here." <laughs> <laughs> Don't kill me. I'm not late. I'm not late at yeah. Exactly, because we knew if I was late again, there wasn't going to be the grace that there was to just give me 600 burpees. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they're they're good on those those hurricane heats. They know how to get people and how to do stuff. So I was yeah. saying, I think the first one I ever did, they had us all line up 
you know, and of course, when you get in the line, you pick your, you get in line with your friends, right? Exactly. So we're all in line with our friends, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, you know, now everybody turn to your, turn left, and that's your line. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, like, the line was, yeah, it wasn't the line that we lined up in, it was the other way. So it was like, now we're with a bunch of people we don't know, and it's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got they told, know what they're doing. Yeah, we got told last year, all, the only thing it said was, be at the spot and be in line according to size. And so we lined up according to height. It turns out they wanted us to line up according to weight. Because mm. the first thing for our warm up, we had to care, we had to match up with somebody who was our weight or close to it. And then we had to piggyback them across this bridge at, at Red Deer. And then we had to run down the hill, hop over the four fences of the corrals, and then come back up the hill and piggyback them again 10 times each. Would have been much easier if we went by height, because <laughs> the people who were standing next to me that were short were also very little. <laughs> Instead, I had like That'd the six good. foot two, the six foot two guy, <laughs> because we weighed similar in weight. It, it was something. <laughs> I bet that's, and they know how to do that. I mean, they they pick it in a way to make it, you know, they want to make it tough, but they want to make it doable. So. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. All right. Well, <laughs> I can't think of anything other questions I had for you. Okay. I mean, so if you don't have any other questions for me or any anything else, I, you know, thank you for being on the episode. So. Um, well, thank it you It was for great talking me. to you and getting, in, getting to know you better. Um, and hopefully <laughs> I'll see you in September. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll see each other then. All right. Thank you, Brandy. All right. Bye-bye. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com for the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. Hey, everybody. Um, I'm back here with Brandy. Um, just so everyone knows, the first half of this episode was recorded before the Kimberly weekend. This part is after Kimberly. Um, first off, Brandy, how are you feeling? Well, I'm a little bit disappointed in how the weekend went, but on the whole, I'm extremely grateful to be here today. Good. Um, I'm glad to hear you're doing better. Um let everyone know kind of what happened for those that don't, um, you know, I, I'm friends with you on Facebook, so I see it. Um, yep. some people may not have seen the, the recap of what happened to you this weekend. Yes. Well, I started out Friday with the sprint and anyone who was there knows, you know, how many inclines there was in this race. Um, and in the beginning, you know, I was, it was a normal race for me. It was a little bit tough because of the inclines and they're not my friends. Um, you know, so you yeah. get the shortness of breath and the tired legs and it was normal. And I was probably, I, was, I never even made it to two kilometers. I was probably a half kilometer Ooh. in and I realized my heart rate was not coming down. Um, even when I stopped moving, my breath would come back to normal. My heart continued to pound and it would not slow down. But of course, me being me and that I never quit, I assumed it was fatigue. It was altitude. We literally rolled into town two minutes before our heat. So we rolled in, ran across the parking lot and jumped into our heat. There was no time to prepare. So I thought it was that. And I kept pushing yeah. forward and I did the bucket carry and I had to pause a lot and sit on my bucket. And even when I sat there for five minutes, my heart rate would not come down. And I started to get really lightheaded and my breathing was fine. So I wasn't hyperventilating, but I wasn't feeling right. And yeah. of course I kept going and, you know, did a couple more inclines and I got to the plate drag and it was after, you know, we went through this wooded area and up another incline and I got to the plate drag and plate drag has always been one of my easiest obstacles. I usually zip through it. And this time, I couldn't. I was really struggling. I was having to stop. Um, 
once again, lightheaded. I was really nauseous. I had this terrible feeling of dread. And when I finished the plate drag, there was a staff up by the Platinum Rake who knew me. And he was like, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm dying. And he kind of laughed. I'm like, no, really, I think I'm dying. And then I laughed and had some water and kept going. (laughs) But that, I should have listened at that time. My body was telling me before I knew something was terribly wrong. And of course, I ignored it thinking, well, it's just brandy. You know, you're just fat. You're just slow. It's keep going. Don't be stupid. And the next part up was the steepest incline of the race. It was a very steep hill. It was the highest peak of the sprint. It was this loose shale like rock. And I started to go up and I started to feel my heart throbbing through the back of my neck, through my, through my actual back. It was the most bizarre feeling. Um, once again, the nausea came back, that feeling of dread, the heart was racing. And then all of a sudden my arm went, my left arm went numb and tingly. And I went, Oh, like something's definitely wrong. So I sat down and at that time the sweep had come around and the sweep asked if I was okay. And I said, I don't know. Like, and that was the first, I've always said I'm okay in a race, even when I'm not, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. And yeah. I keep going. And this time I said, I don't know, but I kept going. And I thought if I did, you know, I, again, still thought I was just cause I'm not a shape. So, you know, I thought if I do 10 steps, 20 steps and sit and relax. And when I would do that, my breathing would come back to normal. My arm would go back to normal. The feeling of dread was there. The nausea was there, but the lightheadedness would go away. And I was talking and laughing with the sweeps and, you know, we're making a grand old joke over this. And I was all excited. I found a jaw for the kids to keep and I'm like, okay, we'll get to the top of this and it'll be okay. And Mm -hmm. we got to, it was like a little plateau, not quite the top, but a little plateau. And I sat there for a minute and I went, there's something wrong. Like I knew right then, um, I'm not sure why it finally clicked in right then, but just something was very, very wrong. And I knew it. And so they radioed up and let the medics know that something was wrong and that we would meet them at the Mm -hmm. top of the hill. And so we kept going (laughs) and I kept hiking along and going uphill and I got to the top that time and a medic came to see me and we talked about it a bit. And he, he asked if I wanted to keep going with the race. And I said, no, like, I don't know what it is, but something is very wrong. And so at that point, I decided to take a medical DNF, which I have never done before. Um, I have finished races with broken bones and, you know, we all have our bruises and twist ankles and I always keep going. So this was new yeah. for me to take a medical. And at that point, I wasn't even sure what was going on because I was starting to feel normal again. Just my heart wouldn't stop. And uh, so I walked up a little bit more to get to the trucks and they drove me down to the medical tent and they did an EKG and it was normal. And, you know, my symptoms had started to go away, but I was tachycardic. My heart rate was still way too high. And so they made the recommendation, they gave me some chewable aspirin and they said, well, you know what, like you should probably get checked at the hospital. Your options are we can call an ambulance or somebody can drive you. And me being the stubborn person that I am, I thought I was fine. And I was not paying an ambulance bill. It wasn't going to happen. So I turned down the ambulance. And so my friend, I posted on Facebook saying, anybody who is not drinking post-race who is available, can you drive me to the hospital? And nobody was available because they've all been drinking. And so my friend went into the bag check and grabbed somebody. I mean, I don't know who this person was. I've never met him before in my life, but he was willing to take me to the hospital. But I wasn't willing to be just dropped off and leave my car in Kimberly when the hospital was in Cranbrook, five minutes from my hotel. So I had him drop me off at my car in the parking lot because, you know, that's a smart thing to do. And so so I I drove myself to to the hotel first and checked in. And then we went to the hospital and the doctor there um, actually thought I was okay. He thought, you know, that it was the altitude, it was fatigue, it was my size. We did an EKG and it was normal. We did blood work and it was not normal. I had had a heart attack. And of course, it doesn't present in women the way that a heart attack presents in men. In men, you get that crushing chest pain and down the left arm and radiating. None of that happened. I had, by the time I was at the hospital, I just had a heaviness in my chest. It just felt heavy, like somebody was sitting there. But, you know, and so they they weren't sure. They thought maybe I had reflux. They made me drink this nasty pink concoction that just made me feel feel really nauseous. It didn't do anything to relieve the pain or the heaviness. Um, And so when he came in, he was he was surprised by the results of the blood work because the doctor didn't think it was going to show anything. Sure enough, 
it was a heart attack. So <laughs> that was it for racing for the weekend. I have been barred from racing for the weekend. I was allowed to volunteer, which was a great way to still be involved. Um, and I loved being able to mm-hmm. hand out the medals to everyone. But yeah, it was it was a bit of a change of plans. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's such a scary thing because, I mean, you don't think about that. And then you're out there and it's like you said, everyone always talks about the the symptoms in men. I mean, the crushing chest, you know, the the numbness in the left arm, all of that stuff. But I've always heard that it's different. It can be different in women. And it's, you know, good to hear someone explain kind of what those symptoms were for you. So that, I mean, other women can, can think about that because exactly. they said it was, and it, said, it was a type oh, type sorry. two. So it was an exercise yeah. induced heart attack. Um, so what that means is they don't believe it was caused by coronary heart disease. They don't think my arteries were the issue because the EKGs and everything were normal. What they believe yeah. happened is that I just exerted my heart too hard. And this is the kind of heart attack that happens where you, you see the marathoner who is extremely fit, run across the finish line and collapse. It, or, yep. you know, people put in a hard workout at the gym and they suddenly collapse. I got very lucky that I think because I've always worked on, because I have been working on controlling my breath, I've always taken those extra breaks that a lot of people would push through. And I think that yeah. is actually what saved my life because it gave it just enough edge to come down. It, it never truly came down, but it was just enough. I think to have kept me going yeah. as long as it did. Um, and the fact that I listened to my body, like that, that feeling of dread can happen when you're a back to the packer. Like it's that anxiety of, am I okay? I'm way back here. There's nobody around, but this was more than just anxiety. Like it was a, like when I joked to the guy of I'm dying, like I, I truly was, I just didn't know it. Um, yeah. and I think, you know, if I had chosen to push on when the medic gave me the choice, there may be a very different ending to this story, and because I, I would have been alone. And, and I'm glad. And I'm glad you did not choose to keep going. I mean, that's that's scary because I mean that's yeah. You think about it, it, and we talked about it. You know, on the the first part of this is the grit. You just keep pushing because, especially not to sound bad, when you're bigger like us, we yep. always feel like we have something to prove that it's exactly. not. You know, if I stop. It's because I'm I'm bigger. It's not because of something real, you know. And, and I, I don't like to say it that way that it's something real, but you know what I mean. It's because exactly. we're bigger, I know not exactly because something's going on. So yeah. yeah, so it's hard to get that. Like, okay, something's really wrong, and I need to stop. Or is it? I'm just I want something to be really wrong because exactly. I'm bigger and I want to stop. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the and that's hard just part it. is we. We push. I mean, it's like, you know, I've talked about Montana last year, you know, it wasn't as bad, but I tore my, you know, uh, my bicep and my pectoral muscle. I knew I was hurt before I went on the rings, but I wasn't going to admit it. I knew I had done something while I was climbing over, you know, over a wall two miles before that. But I was like, it'll be fine. It'll be good. And I was hiding it. And then I went on the rings. And the second I put all my weight on my, on that arm, it was like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, something's really bad just happened. Yeah, and, and I've done, you know, like I finished races having broken bones in the races. I've done all sorts of things, and I push through because I don't want to be seen as weaker. I don't want to be seen as a hindrance because yes. I do team events as well. And so, yeah. you know, and I, and I don't want, I want to usually be the one to inspire people that it doesn't matter your body size. You can do these things. And in this case, it, yes. it really wasn't my body size. It wasn't because I'm unhealthy. Um, that is often, you know, when I, now that I've said I've had a heart attack, that's the first, and that happened in one of the groups I was in. Um, there was a lot of body shaming happening and I mentioned this heart attack and that got jumped on right away. And my purpose had been to inform that you can be fit and still have these. The kind I had happens to people who are healthy. And so if if anyone is on any of the groups I'm in, I apologize for the multiple posts everywhere today, but this awareness needs to happen that the symptoms are so different in women. And that's why I want to talk to you. Men are more likely to have a heart attack. Women are more likely to die from it. And I got very lucky yes. that I survived yes. this. And I will be okay. And that mountain's going to be my, I hope I can swear, but that mountain's going to be my bitch next year. I'm coming back stronger. Yeah. But right now, yeah. this was a setback. And 
trying to get people to see this wasn't because I'm a fat chick. Although when <laughs> when the paramedic came to check on me, when I finally had stopped, and he's like, what's going on? I said, we've got a fat lady down situation. And he goes, not yeah. my words. I'm like, oh, I know it's not your words, but that is what we're facing. This is a fat lady down situation. Because I was still yeah. joking. That's what I do. You know, I hide what's happening oh, with jokes and laughter. Exactly. And he didn't know what to like. He was very nice medic, young guy. He has no clue what to, to make of this woman who's sitting there yeah. saying, I think I'm dying, but hey, we're going to laugh about this. <laughs> but again, and it's, it's that hiding of it all. People, yeah. A lot of people know, but some don't, that I'm a stand-up comedian. And most mm-hmm. of my stand-up is about me being a bigger guy. You know, so it's kind of one of those things that when you're a bigger guy or you have an insecurity like that, you you laugh about it and it's your way of dealing with it. But I mean, it's one of those things that you still need to get that, you know, the the awareness out there. Because like you said, full, like there was, and I'd love to find the article, but there was an article I was reading six or seven months ago about someone, I think it was after the Boston Marathon, an experienced runner that had been doing this for years. Ran the marathon afterwards, says, you know, I don't really feel so good, so I'm going to go lay down. A female runner. And never woke up. And this was her fourth or fifth time and went and laid down and died. She had a heart attack. Yeah. And that's what it was. That's why she wasn't feeling good because she'd had a heart attack from overexertion. And yeah. it happens. And that's the it hard part is when does. you get these people that immediately are like, oh, it's because you're a bigger person and you're out of shape. It's like just because you're a bigger person doesn't mean you're out of shape. It means exactly. that you have a, you know, you, you may have a medical issue, which I know you do, that makes that makes it harder for you to lose weight. So you're working as hard as you know, the person exactly. next to you that's skinny. Well, and the funny thing is, condition I'm, makes it harder. Exactly, and I'm monitored by my doctor closely for racing because I do have the other medical issue. Um, I had mm-hmm. an EKG done before the start of this race season. I do at the start of every race season just to be certain. And, yeah. you know, I felt, I get all my lab work done, everything done. And my, my lab work always shows textbook healthy numbers. My EKGs, I'm, I was in the middle of a heart attack and my EKG still came back normal. So, so there's, you yeah. know, there's things that are there that people don't understand. And when I told them, you know, I got released the next morning and they're like, well, no, when you have a heart attack, you have to have surgery. No, it no. doesn't always work that way. Cause this wasn't something that needed surgery. I mean, who knows once I see a cardiologist, but at this point, my my protein levels, enzymes did come back to normal by the time I was released. That's why I got released. Um, the doctors, yeah. you know, they did not take it flippantly. They didn't send me on my way. Think, oh, we'll just wait and see. They took it very seriously. I had nitroglycerin yeah. in the hospital. It took three sprays of it to bring the the heaviness in my chest to stop, and then an hour later, the heaviness came back, and I had to have another spray of it. Um, yeah, they weren't ignoring this. There was a lot of tests that night. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, but at the same time, they were realistic in, in looking at the situation and not assuming things about my body size. When I said to the doctor, cause he asked, this is, you know, he goes, this isn't your first race, is it? I said, no, this is my fourth season. This is something different. I know my body, something isn't right. Yeah. So now I'm here. And he listens to that. And that's awesome because a lot, I think would have just been like, Oh yeah, that's you're just tired. Doctor. Because, like I said, my EKGs came back normal. My vitals were normal. Um, By the time, because I had, like, you know, we drove the half hour, settled into the hotel, like, I kind of delayed going to the hospital. Even my heart rate, it was still high, but it had started to, it was lower than it had been at the medical tent. And so some doctors, I think, would overlook, and they didn't. They were excellent. Um, I can only thank them for the care that they gave. I did go and thank the volunteer, the medical uh, staff the next day when I came to volunteer. And I went to go thank them and let them know they were right, that it was a heart attack. Because at the time, they thought maybe 40% char- chance heart attack, 60% chance just tired fat lady. And so yeah. I filled them in, and they, they had a good laugh because I told them at the time, like, I don't quit. And I showed up there in my volunteer T-shirt, and they're like, you were serious. You don't actually quit. Like you should be home resting. I'm like, no. Oh no, I came all this way for this race. And if I can't be in it, I'm going to cheer my friends on. And I tried to stay at the finish line for until the very last ultra racer finished because I have crossed that finish line when there's nobody left. And I hate that yeah. feeling when there's like one staff standing there. And I tried so hard. Um, 
but at about 10.40, I had been handing out medals for 10 hours. I had only napped for like three hours between the hospital and going to the race. I couldn't last anymore. I was beat. And so I had to leave, and I felt so bad. And, And it's funny, like here, you know, I don't think most people would have shown up to do that, and I felt guilty leaving knowing that they had 40 minutes left on that mountain and I wasn't going to be at the bottom. I don't even know who was up there. They probably didn't know me from, you know, a hole in the wall. And I felt guilty leaving. Nope. <laughs> so, that been, was a different feeling. <laughs> you've been there and I've been there. I've been the last racer and you've been yep. the last racer. And it is when there's people that are cheering for you, it's the most amazing feeling. So any chance I get, just like you, I will make sure if I'm still volunteering that I'm over there cheering on that last runner. Because you exactly. never know. I mean, it's, you know, that may be the difference between them wanting to do this again and not. So Exactly. And these ultra guys, like, they, at that point, that was 1040 at night. They'd been out there since 7 a.m. Like, it, yeah. they deserved every cheer that they could get there. Like, that is an amazing feat. Yeah. No and, man, did I feel guilty having no to leave. <laughs> so, you know, whoever you were last on the mountain, I'm sorry I wasn't there to say, you know, congratulations and give you a high five and clap. I'm really, really sorry. <laughs> next year i'm sure they understand so you're you're obviously not going to stop racing because of this but i mean it's giving you an idea of you know you're going to go see the cardiologist and find out more information but it's kind of one of those things that i've been thinking about and i can i've read about this a lot because of my size and i've been worried about this is the damage that running actually does to your heart and it does. if you actually read a lot of the a lot of the damage that running, especially a long distance like a marathon, does some major damage to your heart. That's why they say you shouldn't do more than you know if you do too many of them too often that you can actually it can be hugely damaging to your heart. But exactly, yeah. you know, and of course we all want to challenge well, those bigger races. Um, you know, I think the main thing is being aware of your body because. Those changes can come yeah. in, and we're those of us that do the longer races or who are bigger people or whatever, we tend to try to be stubborn and silence yeah. those things going on and push through. And I think all of us, you know, men or women, because men can have this suddenly collapse too. Like, I don't want to say that they wouldn't, um, but that body awareness, because I think it's too easy to shovel it down and say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just this, it's just this, oh, I worked so hard, this is my target race of the season. and weekend really was yep. this was the race weekend of the season and unfortunately yeah. it was a zero medal weekend for me and I'm okay with that now I wasn't okay with it necessarily yesterday <laughs> I was still processing it's, um it's a zero medal but a definite life it's a life I mean, it's, you're still alive, exactly so. exactly and my kids were on the mountain volunteering and they got told by the medical staff that I was in the medical tent, I was going to be going to the hospital. It was serious and nothing else was told to them. And so they were freaking out. My anxiety was up because I don't know where my kids are at and if they're okay. And then realizing, you know, if this is something serious, what about my kids? Like they're still little, I mean, they don't look little when they're out there volunteering, but they need me home. They need me. They need me healthy. So I was, yeah, I'm allowed to still race the rest of the season. But <laughs> I have to approach it differently. I, I don't get to be stubborn through my races. Um, the doctor has said I'm allowed to, as long as I'm being followed by a doctor and, and seeing a cardiologist, I can resume my training as soon as I'm feeling up to it. And I have to stop the second my heart starts feeling like it's going a little bit too high. Um, and I'm still allowed yeah. to finish my other races this season under the same premise that if I start feeling sick or dizzy or like my heart rate is too high, I need to quit and take a DNF and be yeah. okay with that. And that's fine with me. Like I, I have no okay intentions of pushing through it. Exactly. My life is far too, too much important to be risking it that way um, by ignoring it. I don't mind trying things. No. I might be, you know, I might be well, even slower than my standards low. So. <laughs> Which is fine, but, and it's one of those things a lot of people have to think about is it's, this isn't an isolated incident. I mean, I know of, I think it was two years ago in Vegas on the Spartan race, there was two guys that went down with heart attacks. One made it, one didn't. Yeah. Um, From what I've been seeing online, I believe, and I'm not sure where, but one of the terrain races this weekend, somebody had a heart attack and died on course. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one yet. 
It's, it, yeah, it's, it's certainly not isolated. It it's not limited to bigger people. It's This happens when no. you're pushing yourself so hard. And when we're doing yeah. these races, and especially when we're talking, you know, these these mountain races um, and we're looking at, you know, the beasts and the ultra beasts and yeah, I did it on a sprint, but it could have happened at any time to anyone. Oh yeah. And you know, it's being like, able to look at Montana, the hills, yeah. the hills in Montana, you know, the hills in Hawaii, people don't realize it, but there's like a 4,000 foot elevation gain in Hawaii. The hills in Hawaii yeah. are brutal, you know, exactly. And then, and then you the add heat, humidity and, and humidity. Heat. Yep. So, I mean, that risk is there and there is, there's big sections where there isn't volunteers or medics. And if you happen to be either one of the ones that's really far ahead or really far behind, you are alone out there. Nobody is going to see you, you go are. down. Like if yeah, I had pushed on, why, I, mean, I would have been lucky if a sweep had found me because yeah. I was last, you know, and, and I look at the map and I'm like, do they have training? Exactly. And I don't know and that they the necessarily did. Like, I know that the medic I, I mean, spoke to me, is, is an actual paramedic. I don't know that he was equipped yeah. for what was happening because he was still giving me the choice to go on. Um, I was given the choice yeah. of, or they said, should we bring the truck down there? Well, it's a steep incline. I'm afraid of a truck rolling on me. So I said, no, I'll come up to you. But I think a trained yeah. paramedic who is saying, this person is saying, hey, my heart is giving me troubles and I can't breathe and my arm is numb, probably should have said, you don't have a choice in this. You're out and we are getting yeah. someone. Yeah, lay down. Um, I don't, get you some exactly. And, you know, I don't fault them overall in that I, only because I'm okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But looking back, I think that they're probably, it probably would have felt like an overreaction at the time. And had I been not having a heart attack, I probably would have felt really stupid. But looking back and looking at what future races can hold for racers, I think that needs to be in the protocols for the safety. I'd rather a yeah. slight overreaction when it comes to the heart than underreaction, because an underreaction can result in dead racer. Oh, it can. I mean, I'm, you know, some people know, but I am a, uh, I teach first aid CPR. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a, I'm, I can teach it in two different, different providers. And I'm actually working on right now is making a beast CPR first aid program that is like more into the stuff we do, the races, the hiking, stuff like that, dealing with that stuff. But knowing like what you're the, the, what you're describing, my reaction would have been lay down and let me get somebody down here. We're going to get you on a cart and hope to God we have an AED just in case. Right. Because and that was the funny thing. They didn't have an AD with them. So the paramedic said, like, we need to drive you off the mountain because they've got stuff down at the medical tent in case you need it. And so, yeah. you know, like that takes time to get into the truck and we drive on down. Like, they don't carry that stuff with them at all times. And so I am going to be forwarding information to Spartan um, with recommendations of how there's no way to prevent this from happening. It's not a preventable thing. No. It just life sometimes really rolls that way. Medics. But there the should be should protocols to protect. Yeah. Because yeah, the they thing. didn't and have the one. one thing, as, a, as someone who teaches it, I know the, the statistics. And statistics mm-hmm. are, I mean, honestly, CPR alone, you're going to save it's 15 to enough. 20% of the people. 15 to 20% of the time, it works. You add an AED in within the first five minutes, you're up to 85 and 90 that said it's exactly. going to stop a heart attack and save somebody. And it's like those kind of numbers and this kind of, ooh, you know, they really should have AEDs. And I mean, I hate exactly. to, you know, not to like whatever, but yeah, I, I really think they need yeah. AEDs. And, well, and we got, I'm glad you're and we okay. Got lucky. And, oh. <laughs> oh, me too. And, you yeah. know, we got lucky that I am okay, that I can let them know, hey, like maybe we should evaluate these things. Because this, you know, yeah. I couldn't imagine what it would feel like for the medics or the sweep or anything the powerlessness of not having what you need and watching a racer die with yeah. something that maybe they could have intervened with had they had the appropriate protocols and equipment. And it's, you know, it's not, yeah. it seemed like even in the medical tent, like I think they, they did, they had two different machines that they were trying to use to see which one was right. And only one was equipped as an AD. So I don't know that they even had spares to take around. See, and that's so I think they should have every medical team should have one. I know they're yeah. like they're they're about a thousand dollars a piece, but yep. you know, as a what's, company, what's a I would rather say, Hey, life? we spent 
Yeah, we spent an extra thousand dollars, and I mean, it's not like you know you have to buy them for every race. You buy them once, and then have them serviced every couple of years, and they're fine. Exactly. You exactly. So exactly. Just, you know, and then they can just be in the ATVs with them. They're already patrolling around, and have yeah. what they need. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, if it saves one life, you, it's yeah. But I, I'm so glad that you're okay, and I mean, yeah. And I'm glad I got to talk to you again and, you know, before your episode aired so I can add this into the episode and because it's a great awareness to people to know that, hey, th- these are things you need to think about, you know, when you're out there doing these races, not just we're all worried about twisting an ankle or breaking a leg or an arm or whatever. And it's like, you know, those are all fixable. A heart attack not that isn't exactly taken care of quickly and on time, they can't fix that. Yep. And I, I would even recommend for those that do the longer races, um, like I said, it can happen on a short race like it did to me. But if you are doing ultras, if you are doing beasts, if you are pushing yourself to these limits, take chewable aspirin with you. Keep it in your hydration pack. The medic team did give me some before I went to the hospital. The hospital was very happy for that. But that can make the difference, like make a big difference as well. So keep it with you. If you feel like you are having the signs, take it. It's not going to hurt you if you're not having a heart attack. No. But it can help you. Yeah, so, you know, have, add that to your pack. If you're taking electrolytes and mustard, take some freaking 81 milligram tubal ASAs. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a first aid kit that goes into my pack that just has a few things. I've had to use it before to fix people that, you know, kind of got themselves cut open, whatever. But I do have aspirin in there. So mm-hmm. if I need it, I have it. But it's... You never know. I mean, like I said, being a teaching first aid CPR, I've heard of too many stories and seen too many things. I do, you know, safety. I teach safety, and I'm a safety professional for construction companies. And I've seen and heard too many stories of, you know, what can happen on a construction site or even just, you know, our friends out hiking. So, I mean, that's Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm glad you're okay. And do you have anything else you want to say to the listeners? Not at this time. Be prepared. You're going to be bombarded with posts from me for a while in all of the groups. If you're in multiple groups with me, I am sorry for the duplicates, but it's too important of information to pass on. I'm not just trying to be like, oh, look at me, all this attention. I want people to be aware because I want people safe. I don't want to be seeing anyone else going through this um, and not surviving it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. So, well, thank you again, Brandy, for, for talking to me again. Um, Thank you for having me yeah, again. And I can't wait to talk to you again. All right. You betcha. You. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at BeastOCR.com.